Good morning. I have the psalm reading today, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He makes, or he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Good morning. Our New Testament reading is from Luke 23, verses 33 to 43. Uh, for context, this takes place after the trial and as they're going to Golgotha for the crucifixion. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, who were hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Tony and I both just got scared that the communion liturgy wasn't here, so we just, just doing a little check. It's good. We're good. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, today is Christ the King Sunday, as you have heard. Um, I googled Christ the King, as you do, and my browser filled with all the images that you might expect. Jesus in robes on a huge throne. Jesus with like a halo and an ornate crown. Um, and those are the things that I think of when I think of kings. Thrones and golden scepters and crowns and flowing garments lined with fur and 
imposing palaces. All of it somehow signifying that the king is not only powerful but deserves that power, ordained by God even. With all that in mind, I was struck when I read the text assigned to me for Christ the King Sunday. The lectionary has Luke 23, 33 through 43 for today. Not quite the same image as the ones I found in Google or in my own imagination. Here are the riches and opulence of the one whom you worship as king. He is naked, bloodied, nailed to a cross, lifted high so that everyone can see his shame. The soldiers, religious leaders, even criminals mock him. They sneer at him. His tortured body, a public spectacle. Sherman Street, here is your king. Suffering with the very least of these. You know, we're so familiar with the cross, we can sometimes forget just what it is. Um, If you've watched uh, The Handmaid's Tale, I know that's too much for lots of you. Uh, But if you've watched it, that can be instructive. Um, There are moments when these women walk in pairs to the grocery store and they have to walk past bodies hanging on a wall. Bodies left on display so that everyone will know what happens when you step out of line. The cross is like that. Or much more close to home, you can imagine the lynchings that have happened and still happen in this country. I apologize to those of you for whom that it's triggering to talk about this, um, but I think it's important that we take time to remember that strange fruit that Billie Holiday sang about. People strung up on trees and left as, sign, as a sign that white men were in charge. James Cone, in his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, argues that we need to understand the cross in exactly that way, as a lynching tree, if we are ever to understand the cross at all. It's precisely what the cross was. It was a sign that Caesar was in charge. And look what happens when you mess with the king of Rome. So take that gut punch that you feel when you think of lynching and apply it here. That's what the cross is. It is a public shaming, not just for Jesus, but for every Jewish person and for everyone who might challenge the power of Rome. It is a spectacle, entertainment and execution all in one. Here is your king. Hung right alongside the thousands of victims from our country. And people often, um, I think, given this low death that Jesus died, people often want to at least make that exceptional. Like, his suffering was so bad. Um, Like, somehow different than all kinds of suffering. But he didn't suffer more than the untried, innocent victims of our history. Or even more than the criminals who hung right next to him. 
And that used to kind of confuse me because I wanted to make him more somehow. But the text won't let us make even his death special. Puts him right in the middle of two other men dying just the same way. The everydayness of it all, amplified by the absolute flippancy of the guards. Three men suffer above and they toss dice below. A game to see who might get a new outfit. Even in the complicated mathematics of who had it worse, Jesus refuses to stand apart. Jesus is never outstanding, never beyond reach, but always with. People of God, here is your king. We know from the other parts of the Gospels that Jesus has already, by now, by this text, he's already been abandoned, betrayed even by the very people, the very closest of his friends, the ones who he poured his life into. He has been discredited, scorned, laughed at, humiliated, so, so profoundly misunderstood. Love itself come to bring life crucified. Name your suffering, and you will find it here, with Jesus. Here is the king who does not stand above or apart, but always with, with you, with us, with every grief that we bear. All week long, um, I had this image before me and this line running through my mind, here is your king. And even though I've been a Christian most of my life, um, I'm a pastor, you know, well-versed in scripture and theology, trying very hard to live faithfully, I still cannot even come near to grasping what it means to have a king like this. You know, I even discovered in myself... um, some disdain for his meekness. Like, why couldn't he just at least, like, kind of smile and say, like, you just wait. You'll see how wrong you are. But he doesn't. Like, through the hours leading up to the cross, he's mostly silent. He doesn't bow to the pressure of Herod or Pilate, to the soldiers, to the religious leaders, to the crowds. And he also doesn't seem to push against it. Like, he doesn't defend himself with might or with words. He talks or he doesn't. He mostly parries Pilate's questions. He doesn't say anything to Herod at all. Like, you kind of get the idea that he's just playing by different rules entirely. My kingdom is not of this world, he says to Pilate. And yet he is your king. He is at once, in this moment, the perfect picture of just how far God will go for God's beloved. And at the same time, he is a picture of what the world will do to love. How in a broken world, love and goodness and gentleness, they can hurt. 
They can ruin you, break you down. And yet, he is your king, subjecting himself to all of it. When you read in the Psalms about God's unfailing love, you can conjure this image of Jesus on the cross. That's what it means that God's love never fails. And how do we live after this? How do you serve one who got down so low? Like, there's probably a lot I could say about that. Uh, but rather than giving you a full answer, I think it's better that you hold this image. That you let it sit with you at home and at work and at school as you scroll through TikTok and Instagram, as you walk down the street and shop for groceries. What does it mean to have a king like this? I will, however, give you what I think is the only first response. And actually, it might be the whole thing. It might be the whole response. It's this. When you are confronted by a king like this, you open your hands and you receive what he gives. And that's it. That's your best response, and truly any other response we can come up with, any kind of service, any kind of attempt to be faithfulness, I think all of it is receiving. It's just some form of the same one. Friends, look to the cross. Receive and be glad. Let the grace of God sink in and let the pressure roll off. Even in his agony, Jesus prays for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He speaks those words to those who are in the process of murdering God. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. If you ever doubt whether you're good enough, if you ever think that your sins are just too bad, or that maybe you've angered God in some way that's just beyond, just too much, Remember the cross. Remember this king. Like, it can be really hard to accept that kind of grace, right? Like, and it doesn't, and you don't even have to do huge, terrible things for it to be difficult. Uh, Like, last night, Tony, I didn't tell you I was going to say this, Uh, (laughs) Tony and I got in a fight, and I I was extremely unfair to him. Um... Like, extremely. I want to say, I want to say what I said, but it would be inappropriate for the pulpit. (laughs) We're fine. We made up. But, uh, (laughs) but those moments, you know, that's plenty to send me into this kind of question. 
right? Makes me want to hide. Tempts me to believe that there's something fundamentally wrong with me. Or that I'm, maybe I'm not built for a relationship. That I'm not a good person, not a good Christian, whatever. It all comes up. And in those moments, we remember our king forgiving his own murderers even as they were doing it. Even the huge and horrible things are not too much. We breathe deeply of the grace that our king offers us. That is our first response. We receive even what he promises to the criminal, too. Today you will be with me in paradise. Because here is the truth, there is no paradise in the kingdoms of the world. As people wage war, either with armies or within their own hearts, we wage war to get and preserve power and status and image. There is no paradise there. There's only accumulation and the desire for more and for better and the fear that we will lose it. There's only shame and defensiveness that comes with not being the best. As horrific as the cross looks, paradise is with Jesus. Both now and in the life to come. In a life lived in love, in service, to a king who hangs on a cross. As we receive the love of God, the sacrifice of our God, God's own broken heart and broken body on our behalf, we let it woo us out of the ways of the kingdom of the world and into the life of the kingdom of God. It just plays by entirely different rules. A kingdom whose foundations, whose laws, whose customs are love. A king who comes to bring life and life to the full and goes even to the cross to make it happen. So that we too might join in this love. And that even when our own love leads us to painful places, even to a cross, even to a tomb, they would be just more places where those same rules of the world don't apply. Because in the kingdom of God, even death ends in life. In the paradise that we long for fulfilled. Let's pray together. Lord, would you teach us to know what it means to serve a king like you? To live lives so taken up in your love. That we don't have to follow those same rules anymore.
be so saturated that we step out of the same old comparisons and the same old needs to prove ourselves, to make ourselves better. Lord, may we know your love more than we know anything else. In Jesus' name, amen.